Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so glad you're here. In today's episode, we are talking about a topic that I am so passionate about. It's a tough one though. I invited my friend, Dr. Anne Louise Lockhart, to come and talk with me and talk with all of you about ways that we can, as parents, begin to take steps to build the courage and to bravely begin to break old parenting generational patterns. I am a family therapist. What that means is that while I work with a lot of individuals and couples, I look at each individual in the context of the systems around them. That includes your family of origin. Becoming a parent has a way of bringing up old stuff. Our kids and the triggers that comes with parenting can sometimes shed a light on old stuff that we still need to work through. In today's episode, that's exactly what we're touching on. I'm so excited to share Dr. Anne Louise and all of her wisdom with you. So let's get to it. listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three, and I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and arrested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, Dr. Anne Louise. I am so excited to get a chance to chat with you today. We were just laughing about how both of us have all the kids at home right now. You're on break. We're doing Zoom school today. Um, my dad is out there with the baby, and I'm just like, hey, I hope everybody, I hope everyone survives because I'm going to go chat with my friend for the podcast, and no one bother me. So we're uh, managing all the things, and I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yes, thank you. I'm very happy to be here and talking to you, like we said, in real time. Oh my goodness, it's such a treat. We're not just sending voice texts back and forth on Instagram. It's, it's nice to chat in real time. So for all the listeners, can you uh, share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do and what you are passionate about and what drives you? Certainly. So my name is Dr. Ann Louise Lockhart, and I'm a pediatric psychologist and parent coach. And I currently live in San Antonio, Texas, where I've been for 15 years. And I'm a mom of two, been married for 22 years, and my kids are eight and 10. And a lot of what drives me and my passion is I've for a long time, I've just loved working with kids because uh, I work with adults as well, too. And so often I would see that struggles that adults were having that had it been addressed when they were children or teenagers, how different their life might have been. And so a lot of what drives me is because I want to be able to teach teens and children that you don't have to struggle with the thing you're struggling with. It can be something that you can overcome. It doesn't have to be this thing that hangs over you. And, um, and then teaching parents how to do that for their kids so that they feel empowered to break cycles from their life and their family so that they can raise a different kind of kid than they were. So that's what really drives me. Yep. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about and dive into today because my goodness, becoming a parent has a way of bringing out old stuff, right? Maybe some of the, the cobwebs in the corners that we've 
you know, once we moved out of our homes and became, you know, we're adults now and living our lives maybe more independently, you know, it's, it's so much easier to kind of avoid old stuff or kind of just turn our heads or kind of white knuckle through when, when triggers come up. But oh my goodness, parent, becoming a parent has a way of just breaking open some of that stuff. Would you agree? I agree. I agree. And I hear so often from parents that they imagined parenting to be a certain way, or they took what their parents did for them and think that it's a one size fits all for their kiddos, or they just have no clue. They just think that, well, you have a kid and you parent, like what's the big deal? And, um, and then they're in for a rude awakening because then your children, based on the stage they're at, based on their behaviors, based on how they feel about you, their personality, it can sometimes bring up things that you that are dormant or that you pushed down and didn't want to deal with um, from your own childhood, whether it's traumatic situations, whether it's just self-esteem issues, weight issues. There's all kinds of things that when your child then now is struggling with it, it can bring up that same thing that you thought, oh, I thought I like mastered that. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I mean, just yesterday I was, um, my youngest is seven months old and, um, you know, with my other two, we did, we did a lot of just the little like spoon fed purees, but this, this one she wants, she's really into like, let me lead the way I want to feed myself. And I love that for her, <laughs> but it, it, so we're embracing it, but oh my gosh, the mess. And just, it's so interesting. I just noticed myself in that situation, feeling really triggered by how messy everything gets and wanting to kind of control the situation <laughs> and really having to take a moment to pause so I can just be present and let her figure this stuff out. Right. Um, and that's totally related to some old stuff for me. Just it's been there. It's been a little dormant. My kids are older. My older, my other kids are older now, and it's just a little bit easier to kind of have things controlled and organized and not, I don't know. I mean, things are still messy, but this, for some reason, it was bringing up old stuff for me. So even, gosh, my first is nine years old, nine years later, still old stuff kind of coming to the surface. And I'm a therapist and I've done work around this. And the, 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 the beauty of doing that is the minute it showed up, I felt, I knew the trigger. I knew that where it kind of sits in my body. I knew the emotion. I knew some of the connections because I've done, I've done work, right? Mm -hmm. um, which was really nice to have that sort of insight and awareness. But I'd love to hear from you. When you are working with parents, with adults, what are some of the signs or signals that okay, some of this might be connected to some old stuff that's kind of resurfacing, or these might be triggers connected to old stuff that maybe maybe I want to take a closer look at. What are some of those signs or signals? Um, that's really a great question, and I think it's also a very complicated question, right? Because it varies yeah. based on so many different things, but I find that the one thing that tends to be pretty consistent is how you react to the situation. Like when a situation happens, like a messy baby or uh, a disorganized space or a uh, sibling rivalry or, you know, a picky eater, that if you find that you are overreacting or you are reacting in a way that doesn't match the situation, mm -hmm. then that could be an old thing that's popping back up. So if you're like yelling at your kid because they spilled water on the counter and mm -hmm. you're like having this adult sized temper tantrum over mm -hmm. something that's not that big of a deal right. or shouldn't be that big of a deal, then you have to ask yourself, well, why, why in the world are you reacting this way? Mm -hmm. And, and it's not to judge yourself and not to berate yourself, but it's to really step back and think, okay, is this an old issue? Because I don't think I just reacted to the actual issue. Right. And I think if we can really pay attention to that, then that could be really a, a good self-reflection point for us to pay attention to, okay, because uh, when I do parent coaching, what I found is that parents will say, oh, I realize, well, it's because, you know, my parents always wanted a spick and span house, that it needed to be neat and we had to do what we're supposed to do. And you don't ever talk back to your elders and you always watch what you're doing. And, 
you know, that they were driven by something. And so then they're expecting their children to follow the same rules, although their children never got the orientation. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They're like, I'm sorry, but we didn't, we didn't get this memo and we never had the training. What are you talking about? And so then they're expecting, well, all kids are supposed to do this. Well, how, how would they know that? Like, it's a completely different family, completely different generation, completely different. How in the world would your child know that this is a rule of the house? Or why would they even just accept it? Because it was accepted in your house. There's Mm -hmm. so many different factors. And so I think a huge, huge one beyond anything else is looking at your reaction to an event that if it's over the top and it feels like that it doesn't match the offense that you're looking at, Mm-hmm. then maybe there's some old issues and old baggage that's coming up for you. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can think of a situation with my, my oldest and she's nine. So she's at the stage now where friends are so important such a bigger part of her life and is really, as she's developing her identity, you know, friendships are just becoming that much more important. And I notice that whenever there's um, an issue with a friend that she comes to sh- you know and shares with me about, or you know just navigating, <laughs> you know the third grade world of the social life and friendships and friend groups, I notice that my anxiety tends to pop up, um, and anxiety comes in and wants to. Um, fix the situation rather than just hold space for her experience and her feelings around it. And what, what what's nice, you know, have with my partner is I can kind of come to him and be like, Hey, this is kind of the reaction I'm having. And I think it might be related to some old stuff. And I know from doing my own work that I have some past experiences around friendships that sometimes still show up and can get triggered and it's nice to have that sort of person to kind of reflect back with because he's like, uh, you know what, I don't, I think that, I think it sounds like she, she's kind of handling it and she, it's not a, as big of a deal to her. So that might be old stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I think that might be some old stuff. And so, yeah, I think that it's my, my reaction in that moment. It didn't even match hers, right? Like she was just kind of sharing like, oh, this happened at recess and I was feeling super anxious about it and I found myself wanting to go into like fix it mode um, or like just, yeah, not being able to hold that space for her. And so I I can definitely relate to what you're saying here, that the reaction was bigger than what the situation really called for. And that was definitely a signal for me that, you know what, this might be some of my old stuff here. Right. Cause she wasn't wanting you to fix it. She was just wanting to vent. Right. And so then your mind, you're like, uh, uh, this is not going to happen to my baby girl. And you know, I remember (laughs) what happened to me when I was this age and we're going to break this cycle. So then that could be in a sense, kind of an overreaction. It's not, does it mean that it's bad? I mean, you're her mama, you're trying to protect her from harm, but she didn't need protection. She just needed venting. And so we have to pay attention to that. It's like, okay, why did I have that kind of reaction? Is it a little bit too much? Yeah. And right. I think in that moment, in that moment, because I think, I think there's two parts to this and, and tell me what your thoughts are on this. There's almost like the, okay, the in the moment stuff, like in this moment, how am I going to regulate myself noticing that, oof, there's some, there's some little things popping up in here for me, some emotions or some thought bubbles or some memories, some triggers. Um, and there's like the, in the moment, how do I regulate in this moment? And then there's like the sort of like, okay, now that the moment has passed now, what, what, what work do I need to do? Right. Around it. Yeah. Would you agree that that's sort of in the moment, out of moment stuff that we can be doing here? Yes, I agree. I agree that I think that many times that in the moment, we don't realize that we're having that overreaction in the moment. We don't realize that we're being triggered because if we knew it, we wouldn't do it. Right. And so that's what triggers are is that it's a trigger. It's an impulsive reaction to a slight or a perceived slight or offense. And so it's like, because now that we're grownups and adults, we're like, oh, I'm empowered now because I have my adult voice and all these years of experience. So I'm going to make sure that you don't get taken advantage of and that you have a voice. Well, it was really my voice because I wish I had a voice when I was your age. (laughs) 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. So that's that trigger. And so all these feelings and emotions and thoughts come up. And then sometimes then we have this overreaction and then we judge ourselves and then we're like, dang it, I feel bad. I shouldn't have responded that way. But I think then in that moment, well, after the moment, then we can always then say, oh, okay, where did that come from? And really try to bring that back and then take ownership for it. You could talk to your child about it. If you feel like maybe it was something that may have been damaging to the response and maybe then mm-hmm. you feel like, okay, well, she's never going to tell me anything again if you feel like it's extreme. Or you right. could just then say, hey, you know, I just want to revisit what you told me because I know that I jumped into fixing and I don't think you really wanted me to fix it and you made it pretty clear. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just want to make sure that you felt safe enough to tell me because I know that that stuff hurts me when it hurts you because I remember mm-hmm. how it felt for me. So I apologize if I may have overreacted or if I wanted to fix it. Yeah. And so... I think just taking ownership and then modeling that because then that's a great model for the kid. And then again, because we don't want to go over extreme and then overshare and then traumatize our kids from our stuff. Right. (laughs) Right? And so saying, well, the reason why I overreacted was because, you know, these girls jumped me in the bathroom and every week I was jugged and every week. And then, then they're like, oh my gosh, mom, you had a lot of stuff going on. And so now they're comforting you over your stuff that was triggered and that that's not something they need to hold or that they need to make the space for. Right. Okay. So let's, let's imagine that someone who's listening to this podcast episode right now, they're not in the moment. So this is an out of moment experience that somebody has making, taking a choice to listen to this episode because something around the topic resonates, right? So yeah, they're listening right now and you know, what, what would be your message to them listening right now, reflecting on, cause as, as I'm sharing my example, as you're sharing, um, you know, how these moments can kind of go down, I imagine the listener reflecting on their own moments, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that moment that I just sort of lost it or that moment where I overreacted or that moment that I just felt really consumed by like scary thoughts about a situation or anxiety or perfectionism jumped in the driver's seat, right? Right. So they're listening to this right now and they're imagining their own their own moments. What would be your message to them about uh, some next steps that they can take because they are acknowledging that they want to start to break some of these patterns and they want to maybe do some of their own work to unpack some of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what would be your message to them? Um, a few things. I think if you're in the moment, there's a few ways that you can just stop yourself in the moment once you're on your kind of rampage of word vomit. And so as you're like going off on whatever the issue is, and you're realizing you're doing it in the moment, you can say, okay, wait, take a breath. Mm. Okay. And then kind of quietly reflect what in the world is going on right now? (laughs) What is going on in me? that I'm reacting this way to this situation. Is it really warrant me to react in this way? You know, and then notice what's going on in your body too. Like my heart is racing. I feel lightheaded. I have a knot in my stomach. My, you know, throat feels all funny. Like, okay, what is going on based on this situation? Should I have responded in this kind of way? Why was I so triggered? So just kind of noticing and just asking yourself the questions, not again, not through guilt and shame, but noticing, just notice your body, notice your emotions, notice your thoughts. Mm. And then you can actually in the moment do a redo. So if you're speaking to someone and you find like you're noticing their, their emotions, you're noticing their facial expressions, you're noticing that they're pulling away and you're like, okay, this is probably why they're doing this is because I'm overreacting to the situation. Then you can say, okay, wait, the, can we, can we do this over again? Can we, let me take a step back. I feel like I was really being heated by what you asked because it brought up a lot of stuff in me. So I'm, I apologize for responding the way I did. 
let's start over again. And then so just kind of in the moment and what you're doing is that you're really in, you're modeling for your child. And this works, especially if you have older kids and teenagers, but it, you're really modeling for your child or your teen that even when you screw up and even when you overreact, that's not a done deal. You can mm-hmm. actually pause, rewind and like do it over again. Mm-hmm. And you can just kind of be in the moment and say, okay, huh, mommy went a little bit overboard on that one. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what a beautiful way to model. Okay, I I love what you're naming here. So you mentioned breathing, breath. And I think that people hear about breath. I mean, I have a whole podcast episode just about the power of breath because I think that we're like, okay, sure, right. Two therapists here saying, take a deep breath. But like, no, (laughs) really, really, breath has the power to switch on and off different systems in our body, right? The sort of fight or flight response. And yes, we actually take a meaningful, intentional deep breath, extending, especially that exhale. It can actually create enough space between the trigger, right? And Mm -hmm. the reaction and the response. And so it actually has a lot of power um, when we can do it in that moment to turn on the opposite response to that fight or flight response, right? Yes. Um, And then I hear you saying sort of observing, observing within yourself kind of like the situation and what's happening an acknowledgement of um, a trigger, right? And you've been triggered and you're kind of going down this path and acknowledging that you also have a choice here to take a different path, right? To, To in the moment actually say, wait, wait, hold on. Let me take a moment. Like, and and to regroup and to revisit right and to be able to model that and obviously sometimes we can't we don't it's just I've been in that space where it's like I'm seeing red and I there's like nothing that's gonna turn me back in that moment and then and then afterwards is when the regret or the guilt I've done something wrong or the shame oh god what's wrong with me that I did that kind of creeps in Mm -hmm. and that can be an opportunity to say this is a moment to come back and repair right and to be able to model that um, so in terms of like, so we acknowledge that we're learning here, what our triggers are and maybe kind of taking stock of what some of these triggers are, or becoming more in tune with our body because our body keeps the score, right? Like our body right. remembers old stuff. There's this whole sort of like circuit in our body of memories, um, that can, that when we get triggered and we feel like that tension in our body. So for instance, let's say you step on a Lego, you drink hot coffee and same moment, like your child is like, mom, right? Like, or you, you hear your, your, your children, you know, fighting with each other and you, like your body, you'll, there's somewhere in your body that that shows up and then you react and you yell or you respond a certain way. And, and that response, that whole circuit in our body, like that's, there's a lot of old memories, right? Like our body holds these old experiences and memories. That's all showing up there. We might not necessarily be realize it, but that's kind of what's happening in those moments. And so obviously one podcast episode is not going to help each individual listener unpack what that means for them. But I'm curious for you, when you are working with parents to kind of demystify what this process might look like. If somebody comes in to talk to you and they're like, you know what, I think there's some old stuff here, whether it's trauma or old experiences or how I was parented, that I think is showing up and impacting my own relationship with my children and my own parenting journey and experience. And, you know, together you guys decide you're going to do this work with each other. What are some of the ways in which you support parents in exploring that old stuff and unpacking that old stuff? Because, and those patterns, right? Or those generational um, traumas or patterns, just, just to kind of demystify it a little bit, right? Like what, what might that look like? Hey there, your host, Dr. Cassidy here with a quick message for those of you who are expecting, or for those of you who are hoping to expand and grow your family. As you're listening to this episode, if you find yourself reflecting on your own family system or that of your partners and some of the generational family dynamics and patterns that you want to break or shift or change as you're growing your own family, maybe there are some really important boundaries that you want to start setting or you really want to strengthen your communication skills so that you can get the support that you deserve and need when you're postpartum. 
If this is you, I've got you covered. I teamed up with a board-certified OBGYN and we created together Prepared Postpartum. This is a comprehensive digital course where we walk you through preparing for all of the things related to postpartum that the birth and baby classes don't prepare you for, such as preparing the family system, being able to set boundaries, strengthening your communication skills. Now there's no doubt that postpartum can be challenging but it can also set the foundation for your family, a home full of joy, laughter, connection. This is what we support you in preparing and setting the foundation for, step-by-step in prepared postpartum, where we cover everything from recovering from birth and processing your birth to navigating sleep deprivation and how to get restorative rest even when your baby isn't sleeping through the night. We talk about the emotions of feeding and the logistics of feeding your baby and how to take care of baby while also taking care of yourself. Prepared Postpartum is a self-paced digital course for you and your partner, and you can learn more about it at the link in the show notes. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yes, and I think it's a really important thing to explore. And so, you know, usually for that, the initial time when I'm meeting with parents for um, the parent coaching session is I get a really good overview of what what is the problem as they see it. So because it may not be an actual problem to anybody else, and which they clearly tell me. They're like, oh, well, grandma and dad says it's not a big problem, but I think it's a problem, right? So, okay, so mm-hmm. what is the problem that each person sees as an issue in their home? Um, I ask about like what their parenting style is, like what how they would describe it. And not like just like the technical research definition, like how do you actually describe your parenting style? Oh, yeah. I'm the disciplinarian, I'm the good cop, whatever it is, they just kind of describe themselves. I also ask about their ethnic and cultural background, because that's huge, you know, Mm. where they grew up, um, how they grew up, what culture they grew up in, what were their parents like, because it's amazing how that it does influence us, because generationally, culturally, region that we grew up in, the type of environment we grew up in. And then if you marry somebody who's very different from you, which is the case in most relationships, actually. So whether it's your partner or you're mar- in a marriage relationship, people tend to um, be with someone who balances them out. And that's why you were drawn to that person. So, you know, when I met, met my husband, I was a very messy, disorganized and unmotivated person. <laughs> I was in a really bad state when he found me and um, he found me. I was lost, literally. And um, and he was a very neat, organized, very stable person. And my mom always, and that's how my mom is. And it was always such a joke because she's like, wow, you know, your husband is more like, like your mommy and you're not, you're less like me. He's like so much like me. And it was like, yeah, he was, he, he was all the good parts of my mom. And that was that balance that really helped me to kind of get more balanced out. And so I think we realizing where our patterns come from, who we are attracted to, who we're drawn to, who we decide to partner and marry, because all of those things inform our parenting, Mm -hmm. because then it's sometimes those areas that we don't want to address and deal with, that partner can then serve to kind of cover it up because then they're doing it for us. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we can really unpack that and notice, okay, what were your parents like? What was your home life like? What was your relationship with your siblings like? What, what did you think parenting was going to be like? Why did you want to be a parent? Um, what did you envision your children like? Like th- there are pa- parents who many times if they're honest with themselves, they're like, well, I was a perfect student. I was obedient. I was a great kid. So I naturally expected that's the kind of kid I would have. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's all these things that I think are important for parents to address. So that way they can really explore, okay, this is what I expected and this is what I got. And this is why I'm so freaking disappointed because I was supposed to have a perfect kid or I was supposed to have a supportive partner or parenting was supposed to be easy and it's not. Or, you know, I waited 12 years and I got IVF and now I have the baby that I've been waiting for and he's a terror. Like, and now I regret it, but I don't want to complain because everybody's like, oh, you should be so grateful. Like all of those kinds of things Mm -hmm. that pop up, you know, the people don't want to say out loud and they're real so whether you're an adopted a child, IVF, or your own children, or inherited a ch- child because a, a sibling or or a parent could not mm-hmm. take care of the child, there's all these scenarios 
And yeah. all of those things we bring into the parenting interaction. And so all of those things can be factors that get triggered when a behavior goes wrong or if it's a developmentally appropriate behavior, but we just don't know how to handle it because we're spent and we're like pulled in so many different directions. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. So one of the interventions that I will oftentimes do with individuals and couples um, is uh, what's called a genogram. Um, yes. But, you know, it's obviously um, therapist jargon and what it is, is just sort of like a fancy um, family tree that is used therapeutically. And what's so powerful about this. So you sit down with a client and, and I'm sharing this just to kind of demystify what the experience might be like. So I think that some people might be scared kind of to, to go in and like pull out some of that old stuff, you know? And so my hope here is to kind of demystify it. So you go in and um, with a supportive person there, with a therapist as your witness, kind of guiding you through, um, right? And holding that space for you, identifying um, in creating a family tree, something that's outside of you, where you're just kind of using different symbols to identify the important um, people in your family system, as well as relationship dynamics, right? So um, identifying where there was, um, you know, a, a one parent was really focused on a certain child or um, there was distance um, amidst um, the, the parents, or there was um, abuse, or there was, um, you know, enmeshment in a parent and a child that were very, very, very close, but too close, right? Um, almost like it kind of replaced the partner relationship for that parent. Um, or there was, um, you know, you can also identify mental health challenges and substance abuse and just different dynamics. And What's so, I, it's always such a powerful moment when I'm working with a client or a couple and they take a step back because you're creating this and it's outside of you and you take a step back and you look at you yourself or you and your partner amidst all of the dynamics, sometimes chaos, right? Mm -hmm. And also what happens in that space is you also gain insight into you know, your parents' context, right? And so mm -hmm. you're all, you can go generations above that. So you can also see that, you know, and explore what you know around the dynamics around um, their parents and what they, the household they grew up in and the, the, the system that they grew up in. So there also can be some compassion and insight and understanding that can be built through that, both for your own parents and also for your partner um, and why certain things might be important to them or triggers to them. And I just, it's such a cool moment to see an individual say, oh my gosh, right? To see themselves in the midst of all of that, to actually through that build maybe compassion for themselves. Like, well, of course I feel triggered when my, when my children are fighting with each other or when things feel really disorganized or when my child has a tantrum. Um, because I mean, look at, look at how, look at me in the midst of all of this that was happening around me, because the thing, the thing that, you know, I, I think a lot of people in, um, you know, popular psychology today, people talk about this idea of like the inner child and reparenting. And those are, those are terms that I think it's important that they are becoming so much more, um, heard, right. This idea that like, the child that you were, right, it still lives within you. Um, but I think that th this is really just deep work, you know, that one Instagram post and one podcast episode isn't necessarily going to fully um, embrace the nuance of what that means for you, whoever's listening right now. Like that, that little you that's still there, that when your child has a tantrum or your child gets rejected, <laughs> that little you that's still there, that holds all of these experiences and memories and can absolutely show up in these moments, right? And this whole idea of reparenting is how can I show up for that little, that little me that's still there while as I am also showing up for my child. And I think it's really cool because we actually have in these in this work, an opportunity to connect with the experience of a child, like what it feels like to have someone else who makes all the rules or to not have full independence, right? Um, or just to be a preteen or to be a nine-year-old and what that feels like when your friendships are so important, but they're also challenging to navigate what that feels like. We can access that when we connect with that part of ourselves. Um, but a lot of times, Having someone to support you through that, whether that's a therapist or a parent coach, 
um, or a, a loved one in your life who can hold space for you as you're doing this work is just such, is so key. Mm-hmm. I, would you agree with that? I agree. I agree. I think that that's, that's why it's really important to make sure you surround yourself with supportive people. And for those of us who grew up in homes that were less than ideal like that, or at times where there was toxic interactions or relationships, that's what we became familiar with. That's how people learn to interact with other people. And then we realize that when we become an adult, that we can choose who we want to have in our world. But then we get that pressure that, oh, you know, just because your dad is this way, or just because your uncle is this way, or just because your cousin's that way, they're still family. And so Mm -hmm. then we make allowances for these toxic, inappropriate, unhealthy interactions and relationships. And then it it continues. That's how these cycles continue. And then it can continue with your own children and your children's interaction with those family members. And, Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, we've got to break those patterns and realize that even if we didn't have a choice as a child, we have a choice as an adult and we have an, a choice as to how we bring that or not into our, our new family with our own children so that we can right. break these patterns and stop repeating them. Oh my gosh. And it is, it is so brave. It takes so much courage to be an individual because it's systems are strong like there's a yes. lot of pull right to yeah um, do things how we used to do them like this this is how we usually this is how we, this is how things have always been done this is how we do them um and it's it's so brave and takes so much courage to say i i feel that pull and that pull is strong right um mm-hmm. and it's what i've known and what i we've always known in our family but i want to do things differently and you bring up a really important point here um, around, you know, well, that they're family. That's just how they do things, right? And even if it's toxic. And so can we talk a little bit about, you know, a lot of times as we are as parents trying to break some of these generational patterns um, and do things differently, some of these people, our parents and family members are still in our lives, right? And now maybe they're grandparents and they have that grandparent role. So there can be a couple of things that come up around this. There can be one, this feeling of as I'm doing this work, how like, gosh, like if I, if I go to therapy to do this work, is it going to just be all about blaming my parents? And now I'm going to have this really um, difficult relationship with them as I'm doing this work. Um, but then also, how do I also set really important boundaries, right? Um, as I'm doing this, this work um, and parenting in a new way and, and trying to break some of these generational patterns. What are your what are your thoughts or advice or tips around this idea around doing this brave work while also still being connected to or being in relationship with our parents and family members? Yeah, that it's it's tough to do because again, the way we learn to communicate and interact with others was from our family of origin typically. And so those patterns aren't just going to change because you grew up and left the house. So, Mm -hmm. so your parents or your family are going to be who they are unless they've done their own work. And so we, I think so often when we become adults, we think that something miraculous has changed because we developed insight. We read some articles and did our own therapy and got our own insights and got our own support. And then we like, Oh, other people in our life, should have gotten the memo too. And so they should be different too. Mm -hmm. And so then every time we go home and every time we interact with those family members, then we get disappointed all over again because we keep expecting a different outcome. Mm -hmm. And I try to remind adults and parents, it's like, well, why would there be a different outcome if they haven't done any work? And if they haven't developed a new insight, if you haven't had a heart to heart talk and they're willing to change, why would it be different? And every time you expect a different result, it's like you're grieving all over again because you're having this expectant um, expectancy of this outcome that never comes to pass. And then you're like, okay, great. Now I have to grieve the mm-hmm. relationship I wished I had. And so I think it's about grieving that, grieving the relationship that you wish you had with that parent or that family member and right. wishing that you had the relationship that you dreamt or saw in TV or in the movies that, that you saw other friends having. So I think that mm-hmm. grieving is important. And then I think is having, using the voice that maybe was stifled or shut down in many ways, which I hear often in many, many families where you just kind of kept that stuff to yourself and you didn't speak up, you didn't talk up, um, talk your, um, your point uh, up 
which is why a lot of parents get so offended when their children speak up. They're like, oh, they're being so sassy and rude. And it's like, well, sometimes they are. And sometimes they're just using their voice. Don't we want our kids to use their voice too? But again, do it in a way that is respectful. And so I think then empowering the adult to Mm. be able to speak up to their parents. So like, I remember uh, I grew up um, on an island in the Caribbean. And and so a lot of the um, cultural tradition is... um, is very informed by African tradition because that's where the uh, we um, our heritage is from. And a lot of the island mentality is you kind of just keep things in the family or you keep things to yourself. You don't speak up to your um, uh, in disrespect towards your elders and you just keep it to yourself, you know? And so a lot of patterns can be repeated because you're not speaking up. And so I remember I was talking to my mom one day recently about something it was some person that had reached out to her that wanted to um, get in contact with me or something and I said no I I won't be in contact with that person and she was like well why not and I said because I haven't spoken to them in like 20 years and I don't want to (laughs) and she's like well but you should at least call them and just you know let them Mm -hmm. know I'm like no I'm not going to do that mom and she's like well, well, what should I tell them if they ask me? And I said, tell them that I won't be calling them. (laughs) (laughs) And so for me, that was huge because, um, and this is as an adult, okay, having this conversation and still being pushed because that's the same pattern that always happened. But in the past, the outcome, first of all, it wouldn't be as much back and forth. In the past, when I was a kid, as a teenager, I would just do it because my mom says to do it and it's disrespectful not to do what someone tells you to do. And or because someone is saying they want to be friends or they want to be in contact, because I remember in college, she would give people my contact information and my address and all kinds of stuff. I was like, Mom, <laughs> it's like, dude. Right. And so but again, because that's what you just did. That's what elders said. You, you have this sense of obligation to people. And so you just did what people wanted you to do. And that's the way you did it. And I think as an adult, being able to say, no, th- this is not going to happen. You could tell them whatever you want, but I am not calling this person. And please stop bringing it up, mom. Mm. And, you know, she, she kind of paused for a second. I was like, oh, and she's like, you're right. You're right. Wow. And I was wow. like, oh my gosh, she said I was right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh but it's God. hard to do that because it feels disrespectful, even yeah. as a, an adult child, you know, it feels like you're going against the grain because you are. And because really a big message that I got growing up was doing things out of obligation. Even if someone did you wrong or caused harm to your family, we would still show up to the wedding. We would Mm -hmm. still show up to the birthday party. We'd still give them a gift. We'd still say hello because it's obligation and it's respectful. And I'm like, but they like ruined whatever and they did this or they violated this person or they stole your money. Why are we still hanging out with these people, you know? And I think that's where we have to really pay attention to, okay, no, 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 you're an adult, you have a voice, start to use it and be assertive and speak up. Mm. That's hard work. It is really hard work, but oh my gosh, is it worth it, right? Yeah. I think that um, a lot of times, you know, a lot of these rules in our family systems, it's unspoken rules, right? And I think that in doing this work, you kind of just, you're like, you take a flashlight and you're putting a flashlight on all of these little corners and you're like, wait, this rule, like, why, why, why is this the rule? Right. And like, and you start to question it. And I think that, gosh, there's just becoming a parent. There's just these opportunities to really step into your power as a parent, but it takes courage and it's, it's, oh, it's hard. It can be hard work because systems are strong. The homeostasis pull of doing things, how things have always been done is strong. And I think it's so wonderful that you had the opportunity to, you know, kind of say no. And, and actually that your mom then had a chance to reflect and be like, well, wait, well, what do I do? Wait, wait, you're right. I guess I don't have to like right. respond to that, you know? Um, and, you know, I think that in some situations, I know um, whether it's because a parent has died or it's just the relationship is 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 such that it is not in your best interest to talk to this person about these things. Right. I know that I've had um, I've had clients um, in the past where 
together, they have, they have maybe written a letter to their parent that maybe they will send or they will never send, right? They have a letter, they write a letter with me and I'm a witness to that of all the things that they want to say or would have said or wish that they could say or, or will be saying. Um, and then also sometimes writing a letter to themselves of what it is that they wish that their parent would say, what they needed to hear that their parent, for whatever reason, right, based on their own stuff, their, their parents' own context, were never able to say to them um, or the situation. And sometimes um, just having that space to be able to sit and say, this is what I needed to hear. And what's cool is that you, it, it is, it is that, that's, if we want to call it reparenting or whatever phrase we want to call it, but that is you honoring what that little you needed to hear. And that is you being able to share and say that to yourself now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then absolutely, you mentioned grief. There can be, gosh, so much grief that can show up in doing this work because, um, because maybe that's not something you will ever hear from this person in your life, right? Um, but becoming a parent has a way of bringing this opportunity Oof, it can be painful sometimes the way that it presents itself, these opportunities, um, but an opportunity to step into your power and to both honor what it is that you needed and, and what your child needs and the ways in which you're going to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is work. It's, it's not easy by any means, especially because we've been conditioned to respond and interact and have relationships in certain ways. And it's and, and if it's been reinforced for years, it, it's not an easy process by any means. But if you know it's unhealthy or it's toxic, it's not beneficial, we're going to pass it on to our kids and not even realize it. And then that's how these same relationships were, oh, I had conflict with my mom, so then my daughter has conflict with me, and then she has conflict with her daughter. And that that's how these generational patterns continue because right. it just becomes the thing. Oh, that's yeah. how all the women are in this family. We never have good relationships with our moms. Like, well, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. There's a, there's an image that you often share on your um, Instagram account, which is just so full of so much valuable resources. I'm definitely going to add a, a link to that in the show notes for any of the listeners, but there's an image that you often share. Um, and it's like, it's okay, Spider-Man. It's Yes, Spider-Man. <laughs> Can you describe it? Yeah, I love that image. And I try to share it every so often because every time I see it, I'm like, wow. So it's the it's an image of a bus full of people that look like zombies. Like there's a whole, it's like they're packed full of just people. Yeah. And the caption or, or the thing over it says, you know, family history. And mm-hmm. then there's Spider-Man holding back the bus and it says you. And then there's this kid crossing the street that's has headphones on and he's looking at his phone and it says your child. Mm. And it's like this whole image of you holding back the stuff from your family history to protect your child. And it's Mm. so powerful. Every time I look at it, it's such a simple picture, but it's like, that's exactly what we're doing. Here's this kid crossing the street, oblivious to all the work you're doing Mm. to protect them from all that mess from the past. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It is such a powerful image. It is. I feel things when I see. I do too. <laughs> that image, but and I think it also just represents um, how, yeah, it, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot to carry, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot of work. And there's going to be moments where it is too heavy, and you get triggered, and you, you're reactive, and you get dysregulated, and oh my gosh, you have that adult temper tantrum, which let's just like, that's, that, that's still that little you in there. That's just like, doesn't, is really struggling to regulate their feelings or feels overwhelmed and stress. And that's going to happen. And you deserve all the grace and compassion in the world for that, because you were never meant to be perfect, right? Like that was never the goal to begin with. Perfection is not attainable and it's not the goal. And in fact, I think, I believe truly that our imperfections are gifts that we can bring into parenting because it provides us opportunities to repair, to show our kids that they're not expected to be perfect either. And so, yeah, this work is, 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 is hard. It's worthwhile. Um, and we just have to inject a healthy dose of compassion and grace along the process. Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> 
Oh, well, Dr. Anne Louise, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. I can't wait for folks to hear it and to share it. Where can people find you and what are some of the offerings you have out there? Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Cassidy. So, um, okay. So they can find me on my website at a new day, sa.com. So that's a new day, sa as in San Antonio.com. And I have resources as well as, um, opportunities for you to download free PDF downloadable things for parents. Uh, also that's where I list all of, all of my classes that I um, put out there for parents. And uh, I currently have classes on parenting a child who's highly sensitive, one um, for children who are anxious, one for children with ADHD. And then I developed a course for adults who believe they might have ADHD or executive functioning deficits. And so that's a two-part course that I've done for adults. Um, they can also find me on Instagram at dr.annelouise.lockhart. And I'm very active there, giving a lot of information for parents on a variety of different concerns whether it's mental health, personality, behavior stuff, all kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I have that. And then on Facebook at a new day, pediatric psychology, which is the name of my practice. So they can find me there. And if they need help with parent coaching or group courses, which I'm developing right now for parents, um, but that's avail available. I'm doing virtual parent coaching as well too. So there are resources out there. If I can't help you, then my team and I really look to see other resources out there in your area that could be mm. more of help for you and or your kids. So, cause I know that it's, it's hard to find people and lots of people are busy and full and it's hard to find resources. So we try our best to connect people with other professionals if we can't help. Mm. You are wonderful and all the resources you put out there are so wonderful. So I will make sure to share links, to all of that in the show notes. And I love the reels even putting together. Thank you. All thanks to you. All thanks to you. You were my tutor. I mean, because I was about to give up on it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to call Cassidy. Help me. And now I'm like, I got it. I love this thing. Oh, my gosh. It's such a fun way to share content and resources. I think just for me, it pulls on my little inner creative. I love videography anyway. And so it's not for everyone, but I love that you are getting into it and it's working for you now because I just love the wheels that you're putting out there. So they're yeah. amazing. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Anne Louise, again, for being my friend and just being such a valuable resource for me to um, send parents to. And just so grateful that we got a chance to chat today. Thank you. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified OBJN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.